This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast, our third show in four days, and joining me to help me close out this uh, th- this three shows in four days is uh, Chris Aiken. What's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show. No, I thank you for uh, for pitching in here. John Happy LaRocca. Super China Buffet Day. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, I missed that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so John LaRocca did shows with me on Thursday and last night after the takeover show. Uh, so if you haven't heard or if you haven't watched or if you want to listen to what happened at takeover and dynamite, check out that show that is up in, uh, it's up. So this is our post sir, uh, post SummerSlam, uh, show. And then, uh, we'll, we'll talk about all the matches. We'll talk about our favorite matches. We'll talk about the news here in a second, the big news coming out of that show. And then after Chris and I get done, we'll bring on Robert Silva. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about the boxing that happened this weekend as well. In addition to the uh, the greatest fights of all time that he's been writing about. And we are in the top five with that list. So basically, I think this week uh, we'll, we'll put fight number five up as we count down to uh, to the number one fight. So, uh, but before we get to Robert, we're going to talk about SummerSlam. So, big news coming out of the show is uh, Roman Reigns. Big news, made, big makes dog. His comeback. The big dog. Uh, did did you when he came out? So, end of the end of the main event, which was the Fiend and uh, Braun Strowman. The Fiend pinned Braun Strowman to win. We'll go over how in that in a second. Uh, but Roman Reigns comes out of the crowd. Actually, I don't know if he was in the crowd or not, but he he just shows up, beats up the Fiend, goes outside, beats up Braun Strowman. Very aggressive. He's got a shirt that says something to the effect of uh, wreck everything and leave. Or it's a, it's, it's an I, old. I wrote, it I wrote it down here. Let me see. Let me find it. Wreck everyone and leave. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. It has so the logo he, he, in there. In there somewhere. So it's it's an old. Uh, it's a, it's like a remix of a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt from back in the day. Austin's shirt just said, arrive, raise hell, leave. Like that's, that's what the shirt said. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so it's a little, little bit, a little bit of a throwback to that shirt. But, um, so what'd you think of Roman coming out? Like, did you expect it? And also, uh, I don't know if he's a heel. I mean, I, I would guess, I, I don't know if he could ever really be a heel, but he had definitely was way more aggressive than definitely we've seen him in the past. You mentioned uh, Steve Austin, and that's what Stone Cold Roman. 
is what I said yeah. as, as soon as he went to and it was even the uh, the chair spot like like Steve Austin did at WrestleMania uh, 17 with The Rock um, you know when he turned heel I don't know where they're going that's what I was wondering that whole deal was who is the who's the good guy I don't know I mean I guess Roman maybe I don't know or The Fiend maybe I don't know who really is the it's just a bunch of antagonists and there seems to be no protagonists so maybe but maybe that'll be cleared up on Raw and Roman will be you know the top baby face I don't see him being a heel but maybe I don't know but I did like the the whole I mean the whole run in and it was done I popped when I was watching it because I was kind of I mean kind of bored at that point with the with the main event and I figured something was going to happen especially on a show with what with the tagline this year you'll you'll never see it coming I think yeah 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 because yeah it used to be the biggest party of the summer but you can't really have the biggest party of the summer this year so uh, well, it depends. It depends if uh, the Thunderdome wall is uh, is a part of your friends. Or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you see the Did you see the Fire Velveteen Dream shirt that no, was I didn't. Uh, on the wall? Yeah. No, I didn't. There was there was a, there was a Fire Velveteen <laughs> Dream. Um, oh, there was there there were there was one nasty sign that I don't even want to uh, I don't even want to bring up, but. Uh, you know, search Twitter, and I'm sure you'll find it. But yeah, some some folks got through with stuff that I'm sure they didn't want to to get through. The only person I recognized on the video screens was at one point, and I don't know if he was there the whole show because I didn't see him until the main event. But right there, opposite the hard camera, not really opposite the hard camera, but kind of over towards kind of the ring post there, uh, was a sign guy Rick. And, and oh no way, him. yeah, because he. Um, um, I don't know him that well. I talked to him at some of the, you know, WrestleManias or whatever, but I don't really know him. But uh, we went to the same university. We both went to Stephen F. Austin State, Stone Cold Stephen F. Austin State. And so, <laughs> yeah, so every time I talk to him, I, that's what I say, Axe and Jacks for the Lumberjacks. But anyway, so, yeah, that's the only thing I really uh, – that's the only person I really noticed. So but, what did you think of, of the whole Thunderdome thing? I know you watched SmackDown, so you, you have – an opinion on what they what they rolled out on Friday, but I like I, I didn't watch SmackDown. I was very impressed with the Thunderdome. I thought that the the wall of fans was going to be annoying, but after seeing them the first time, you kind of got used to it, and it didn't take away my view of the match in any way. Like I I thought it was. I thought it was gonna like. I thought I was just gonna be watching the wall and not really paying attention to the match, but ah, I thought it was completely fine background video, and it didn't. It wasn't bothersome in any way. Uh, I think they I think they can still improve on the sound. I think there were times when the sound was good and times when the sound wasn't good. But overall, I, I really loved the presentation on this show. Yeah, um, I was distracted a little bit at, at certain points. You know, just looking at just looking at the screens, they were a little bit distracting. Um, I, I would say that I enjoyed it better during SummerSlam than I did SmackDown. Um, SmackDown was good, but it was almost like sensory overload. Cause, and some of it I think is the color schemes. You know, SmackDown is blue, and you know Raw is red, and NXT is gold, and and yada yada yada. And that's all fine and well, but it's there's just too much blue light and white light and just lasers flashing and stuff going on on the SmackDown show that it was kind of it was kind of just sensory overload. But. Mm-hmm. SummerSlam, it was. I could definitely, I could definitely see that. Yeah, SummerSlam, there was different colors. There was more. The colors were more, you know, uh, 
not so just one one thing and just mixed it up a little bit. The the the, the top part, the ceiling part, was more you know blackened and darkened. On SmackDown, it was a little different. I, I think I think it was more like a silver or grayish or something. It was just it was too much. But it's probably you know like a learning thing. You know, go about as you learn. This is brand new and it's something new. I mean, the NBA has done a little bit of it. Um, what I think they should have done, and I think would make it better, is I don't know why they just did away with all the the, the trainees there. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been better for that front row. You know, that front row there was there was like two screens that kind of wrapped around the 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 front row, and then there was a, you know more back, and they had them kind of staggered like they would be in you know a stadium seating. But if they just put a few actual people there in the front, I think it would have been better. I don't think it would have been as distracting and I think it would have blended in better because you had you have live people in the ring, you have a few live people in the crowd, then behind you, you could have all those screens and all that other stuff going on and I think it would have be just just look better and it would, you know, then you could also have live reaction shots which you can't have on the screen. They tried to do a little bit of that here and there where they went to the screen or whatever and but I don't know, it's it's something, you know, I guess. I mean, it's better than nothing. I guess it's better than the Performance Center, that's for sure. I'll say that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, before we're going to go to a quick break, but before that, just your quick thought on what the best match of the night was. Um, best match of the night, um, Asuka against um, Sasha Banks. I really like that match. Uh, I, thought, I thought that was a really good match too. I'm gonna go with Drew and Randy Orton. I really like that match. I just think Drew is, gosh, like what is he missing? I don't think he's missing anything. Just the perfect babyface champion. I was really waiting for Orton to kind of pull this win out from under him, and then you know I was gonna be very angry, but. Drew wins his match uh, with a backslide after missing the Claymore. And I just really, really liked that match. But, you know, this was a night where there could be three or four different favorite matches of the night. Yeah, it, exactly. was, uh, it was a lot, lot of good variety, I think, for sure. When you ask what Drew's um, missing, and I think the only thing he's missing is the crowd. I mean, that's really, yeah. I think, I mean, really, I mean, it's been so, it's so hard to make a new star like that. Absolutely. And, but yeah, that was the that was the first match that I felt like was a main event world title match that he's had since the pandemic. You know, it wasn't yeah. just some some random storyline with with Dolph like before. I mean, it was a good good match, solid. Yeah, I mean, I can see why you you know you picked it. I'm just biased because Sasha and Bailey are the are yeah, they're the, so the, they're so fantastic. The, yeah, yeah. They're they're the MVPs of of the of both brands right now. To oh me. yeah, yeah. They're uh, those two and, and Oscar were, are probably the main reasons why I haven't tuned out during the pandemic. They're the ones mm-hmm. that keep me coming back. They're, they're really the only act in the company that's keep me coming back every week. Um, and since, you know, for several months, first it was Oscar, you know, in, earlier this spring, and then Sasha and Bailey, and they have just, I mean, just knocked it out of the park. No, all, all, all three of those women are great. And, you know, th- there, there's a certain thing about WWE where it feels like, you know, if, the, if, you, if you are good in the ring, you, 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 can, you can reach a certain level. 
But in WWE's eyes, where you reach the highest level is when the personality and the charisma and the act and the character and all of those things reach the level of your work. And I think we could all say that Asuka, Bailey, and Sasha were already good wrestlers, but the part of their acts that may have been missing, and you know, I, I'll, I'll actually say I don't think it was actually missing from Sasha. I think in some instances she was just kind of on the bad side of booking or just hurt. But the other two, their characters have blossomed so well that there's no holes in any of, of those three women's games right now. So they're really at the top of their craft, and it is great to see. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They're, the, the transformation from Bailey from this time last year until now, because this time last year she was really getting started as a heel. I think there was that little gray area period. You know, she won the title in, I think, May last year, and then I think she dropped it to Charlotte and then won it back again maybe October or something, maybe somewhere in the fall, I think. And that's been really, you know, that's when she, she chopped up the Bailey buddies and the whole – it's been a slow progression, and – it's just been she's she's probably the best heel in the company maybe i mean i don't know who else would be better than sasha and better right now as the as the as the best heel in the company all right let's uh, take a quick break to talk about thera one cbd so from tight muscles tough workout signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CD, CBD products claim organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler. And these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their product four times before they get it to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil in recovery. Body balm for targeted relief and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, we're talking two weeks, I believe, from uh, from today, from when people are listening to this. Uh, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to Theragun dot com slash blue wire if you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase this is not something TheraOne is likely to do again buy one get one free at theragun.com slash blue wire but only until labor day go right now theragun.com front slash blue wire all right let's talk about these matches um the show i, I didn't see the um the pre-show match. Did you catch the pre-show match? Oh yeah, yeah, I watched it. It was also Renee Young, uh, Renee Young's last show, also, and they did acknowledge that at the very end of the pre-show, and it was a really nice acknowledgement send-off. Um, there was a few like kind of inside lines there about uh, um, just a time or two in the pre-show where it was kind of hinting about you know Renee Young and where she's going or whatever. They didn't really say anything 
but they did, you know, acknowledge that this was her last show, and she thanked everyone, and they thanked her, and that was a that was a little nice touch. I was wondering if they were going to do something about that, and I was actually kind of surprised to see her there because she hadn't really been. She's basically been working from home, I think, for most of the when she's been on the bump, and uh, the the show what was the Fox show that got canceled, the the FS1 show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Backstage, backstage. She was on there. Yep. Uh, but they're all doing that remotely, and so. This may have been the first time. Is this the first time she's been back since since getting COVID? You remember her on any other shows? Uh, I I I think I think that's right. I don't I don't remember her on anything else. And it's I guess she finished up and and best of luck to her. She's got all the talent in the world to do she, something else. She she's got a lot of options. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure about that. Yeah, she's got. All right, so what what about? Yeah, that's coming out. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a uh, funny in the, in the interview with Dave. That was a you know y'all, every interview with, uh, with with Moxie you always get a little insight into their life right <laughs> at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so MVP and uh, Apollo Cruz. Apollo Cruz what, what happened uh, in the match. Um, um, basic match. Apollo Cruz retained the title. It was fairly short. They one thing I liked about it, which is something they I don't think they've been doing a lot lately, which is good is they stopped putting a commercial break in the middle of these pre-show matches, which mm-hmm. always drove me crazy because it's the pre-show. I know it's on like YouTube and it's on like other, it's on the barter channels, I guess, or whatever, you know, but why do you know? They always used to do that, but they stopped doing that. So that was good. It was pretty much, I mean, Apollo, Shine, um, Heat, and then come back, and that was pretty much it. I actually missed the finish. I actually was busy. I looked away for a second and then looked back and it was over. But, um, one thing, I always love MVP, how he always includes some sort of like uh, Japanese wrestling spot in his mm-hmm. in his matches. And this match, it was the uh, teasing the double count out, which doesn't work quite as well in America because it's a 10 count. But it uh, but, but yeah, they did the double count out spot and that was and then they went home like not not too long after that. But um, it was OK, pretty basic, you know, nothing, you know. Nothing to go out of your way and see, but you know they put Apollo over over strong, and and I don't know where they go from here. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's going to wrestle Bobby Lashley or something. The hurt business was barred from ringside, so that didn't play into it. So maybe they'll something develop on Raw tomorrow in that regard. But, All right. So the opener was uh, be- uh was uh, Bailey versus Oscar, and. This match uh, kind of played into the second match with Asuka and Sasha Banks. So Sasha's obviously with Bailey. Um, lots of lots of really cool moves. Uh, there was a jumping DDT, I think, from the steps uh, early on uh, of w- which Asuka did to Bailey. Uh, there's there was a um, and like okay, so so answer this for me. Why do they call a running? like butt attack a running hip attack she doesn't hit anybody with her hips she hits them dead with the backside of her ass yeah with her ass on, on <laughs> why don't they call it the butt attack i don't i don't know i think it may have something to do with the pg is, all, is the only thing i can think of <laughs> you know they don't want to they don't want little kids running around hollering they're doing the butt attack the hip attack sounds yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not a hip attack hip attack will be Hit them with your hip, it'd be like the yeah, yeah, you know, like a I've seen people do it, thing. yeah, yeah. They should do it in the corner, maybe or something, and they run and they hit them with the hip. <laughs> you know, that's like a that's like a hip attack. But yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. 
it's basically the same move that Naomi does. Naomi just does it a little bit different. She gets a little more yeah. arrogant and, and kind of yeah, does yeah. the splits. Kind of does the splits, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same thing as um, uh, 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 Taguchi. He does the same thing. Of course, he doesn't get near the air and doesn't look as graceful as either Naomi no. or Asuka. But, no. but yeah, I don't know why they did that. But yeah, that was actually that hip attack kind of played into both this finish and the finish in the match later on in different ways. Yeah, so uh, there's a spot early in the match. Asuka hits a super kick and then a German and then a running, uh, I'm going to call it a butt attack, for a two count. (laughs) But like you said, it plays into the finish of both matches. Um, Asuka hits Bailey with a code breaker. Bailey had, had, had charged into her and eats the code breaker. Uh, Bailey comes off the to- uh, off the top rope with an elbow, but Asuka catches her in an armbar. And and in this moment, Sasha's kind of minding her own business, just like cheering. And Asuka just decides to kick her. Uh, you know, not that Sasha's this you know not guilty person and harmless person. She's she's outside for a reason. But Asuka kind of kicks her, and so there's impetus now for Sasha to kind of jump in and get involved. So um, Asuka runs towards Bailey with another butt attack. Bailey's in the ropes. Bailey moves out of the way, but Bailey crashes into Sasha, who was on the apron because she's you know pretty frustrated with Asuka at this point. So Sa- Sasha takes the bump, and Sasha taking the bump allows Bailey to roll a, a small package. Actually, Asuka Asuka took her eye off the ball for a second. Bailey comes with a beautiful small package to win the match, and then after the match. Um, they they both double team Asuka and kind of soften her up for the second match that she would have in the night with uh, with Sasha. But I I thought this was a really strong opener. The uh, both acts are awesome. It was really great to start with something that you were immediately invested in because of the three characters involved. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was a really great opener, just like you said. And, and of course, like I've said, I said, I mean. Sasha and Bailey. That's those are the ones that I've been so invested in as characters over the last little while. And you, you, one of the things to note in this match is Sasha put her body on the line and and took a bump to allow Bailey to win the match. And that's going to be an important little footnote later on in the show. Yes, absolutely. So our second match is uh, Angel Garza and Andrade against the Street Profits. This was well, 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 actually before that. Before that, we had what should be noted was a Hyundai commercial, which is a pretty okay. mainstream commercial for WWE, and it was a WWE specific Hyundai commercial, which I think is even more of a note. And we had the the um, I don't know if you saw it, but the interview with Dominic. No, I missed it. I, I, yeah. I, I it, once matches ended, I was like running and grabbing something to drink or running and grabbing something to eat. It's so, so hot in, in, in the, uh, in the Bay area right now. So I was yeah, trying and, to and the fire make is, sure you gotta, that was comfortable. You got to stay, you got to stay hydrated. There's too much smoke in the air. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, th- there was the interview with Dominic and it was, um, um, it kind of places the match later because Dominic wanted Ray to promise him that he wouldn't get involved in the match. So you kind of see that play out a little bit later on. Um, in the match, and we'll get to it later, but that's what's the... And this was, I think, this segment here may have been the debut of Ray's wife, and I was, which I, I'm assuming is Dominic's mother as well. She was mm-hmm. also in here. Well, she came out later in the match, but this was where they kind of introduced her to, you know, as a character. 
Um, I don't know. Was she in the Dominic angle years ago? Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Gosh, that was almost that was like 15 years ago now. Can you yeah, imagine? I don't, I don't remember her. There, she may have been, but I thought it was all just Vicky and, and Eddie and and all that. Which we'll get into all that in in that match because there were some callbacks to to that classic feud and and all that. But yeah, but there was an interview and Dominic looked good. I mean, he he you know he looked like you know strong. I'm mean, not a strong babyface, but like a you know, like the underdog you want to get behind because he wanted to do it on mm-hmm. his own. And and, and, that and then we had, um, after that was was the next match where uh, uh, Kevin Owens came out. And, uh, yeah, Kevin Owens on commentary. <laughs> in his in his red T-shirt and red tie, which kind of threw me off for a minute. I didn't notice the red tie because he had on a red T-shirt. Like maybe next time. I think it was a, it was a, it was a Dawkins T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. The street Profits for sure. I don't know if it was just Dawkins, but I know it was a Street Profits shirt for sure. And, and so it was weird because I was like trying to look at the graphic and I was like, why has it got a big red line through the middle of it? What is it? <laughs> and I, then I just, oh, he's wearing a necktie. That may, that explains yeah. it. That's why I'm saying the red on red. Maybe, maybe not the bad. Maybe wear a different color. Maybe a blue tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Garza, Andrade versus Street Profits. This was mostly, I thought, a showcase for Montez Ford. Uh, neither, uh, you know, Garza and Andrade are great the in in of themselves this wasn't really a showcase for them necessarily uh you know i don't whatever you think about dawkins i think he's a good part of the act i'm not necessarily sure what his future is outside of the act but i do think montez ford at some point is is going to be a pretty big deal in in that company but um just uh yeah I i just thought it was a showcase for him there there was a flip dive over the top he did get caught on that dive but um there was a there was a super high frog splash that he did, and even in the finish, which comes when uh, Andrade is a little bit caught up with uh, Zelina Vega, and Dawkins h- hits a spine buster on Garza, and then Ford goes to the top, and he does sort of like what I would call a um, kind of like a twisted bliss combined with a frog splash. Like he jumps out and then twirls his body 180 degrees, and then hits the frog splash on Garza to win the match. It was really, really beautiful. The match in of itself was, it was fine. It was, you know, not, not a whole lot going on, but I, it just, it just seemed to me like, you know, they, they wanted to make sure that uh, Ford was able to showcase uh, a lot of his uh, athleticism on this one. Definitely a showcase for Ford. You can tell from the very moment they came out because it rained solo cups from the ceiling. Yes. Big solo cups, little mini solo cups, which are the, the shot glass solo cups. I don't know. They're not, um, the, the big one. So that was kind of, there was also a pre-tape promo before this, which is something they've been doing a lot on, on television, but I don't know that I've seen so many pre-tape promos before matches. Mm-hmm. It was um, a little weird. Yeah. And you know, you've seen promos on pay-per-views before matches, right before the match, but this was like after both entrances, they went to a pre-tape and, and they did that a couple times different throughout the show. They were always a little different. They're always like, they always were like a different, kind of pretext it was either the person in the match or somebody else related to the match but I don't know really if I like that very much it's a pay-per-view I just ring the bell it's I mean I don't know yeah I, and I don't, I don't think there was anything said in any of the interviews that made them necessary yeah you're supposed to sell me on the show before you get to it I mean why are they selling me on the match now like it's I mean this is too late you know, I mean yeah. the matches are no, right about to start but anyway and then there was one other spot I which I didn't like in this match, and it kind of took me out of it for a little bit. 
And uh, I don't know, um, it was kind of dumb. And it was the, I don't know exactly what you call the move, but it was when when they had Ford, it, it was to make Ford look good. It was, a, you know, like you said, it was all about showcase for Ford. And this was all about kind of making him look good because they got heat on him with this. But it was the, I don't know what you call it exactly. I was going to look it up. I, I'm kind of rusty on my Lucha because it hasn't been a Lucha show in forever, <laughs> it feels like. But it's the move. It's like the double power on, but they kind of flip the guy into their arms and then pick him up. Uh-huh. And then, double, uh-huh. you know, they did it on the floor or whatever. And what made me so mad about it is, okay, it's a double team move on the floor. It's a tag team match. So there's not a DQ on the floor. You know what I mean? There's not, you can't get DQ'd on the floor, I don't think. I mean, man, who knows, I guess. But but the the actual heels are double teaming on the floor. And Dawkins runs around, and instead of making the save, he just stands there like he's holding two cents waiting for change and just like doesn't he just it's kind of rooting him on wanting wanting Ford to get up and it's like what why don't you make the save I I, I didn't like that because then they just went to you know the heat don't you know, set up the heat on on Ford but Dawkins could have made the save and then he, he could have got double teamed and then let, maybe even laid out on the floor and then the heat would have been even more you know and put those you know put the spotlight on forward even more which was the point of the match i just thought that was a dumb spot and i hated it just just the moment i saw it i mean i just i don't know why i don't know why they did that i don't know i mean i don't know it's just didn't make any sense all right what about uh i i don't have any of the interviews or anything in between the matches was there anything in between this match oh, and uh sonia and mandy i don't know and i meant to look this up uh but 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 Kevin Owens invited somebody to Raw or challenged somebody to do something. Alistair face Black. Face. Alistair, Alistair Black. Black. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is he? I mean, I don't. I don't know. As, as a as a friend, does he invite him as a friend? I can't. I don't know what that. I don't. I I don't know. I I, I don't watch Raw. Have you watched Raw in a while? Yeah, yeah. I watch it, but I mean, I fast forward through a lot of it because um, I always start the show late, which is kind of my kind of my gimmick. I do that with most TV shows these days. <laughs> I always start them late so you can fast forward, even basketball games and, and, and stuff like that. So um, you got to be careful about spoilers when you're watching sports, but but I always try to, you know, then I can fast forward and and all that, and especially with WWE, especially a three-hour Raw. I mean, I don't know who can set through that thing a whole without doing something else. It's... But always fast forward, and so I fast forward through some of the some of those Kevin Owens segments. So I, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, Alistair Black, he's been around, and then kind of I don't know. They have really talk about a guy they dropped the ball on. I mean, what? Well, I mean, what? He is such a dynamic character, such a you know. They don't really have an Undertaker character anymore. They got the Fiend or whatever, but that's really more like I wouldn't say it's like. And Alistair Black, he he rises from the dead before every match. <laughs> I mean, what? What, I mean, he's just, I don't know. I guess he lost favor when the whole creative, you know, changes oh, yeah. took place. But, anyway, oh, yeah. yeah, so so anyway, after that, there was an interview. Kyle Braxton interviewed Sasha and Bailey. Did did you see that? Um, I saw some of it. I think I came back into the room right what before a, talking. What a cool set. I don't know why they didn't do all the interviews from those set. It was like a ring. It was a backstage set. And it, but it was a ring that they had set up with all these lights on it. And it was actually, it was a really cool set. Hopefully they do some more stuff like that. And Bailey was the cleaner. She had a broom and she was oh, talking yes. about I, sweeping. Okay. I, yes, I did see that. Yeah, she was, she was, she was uh, Kenny Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was Kenny Omega, the cleaner. 
And so, and then after that, we had an ad for ice cream sandwiches. Which have you tried the ice cream sandwiches? I ha- I haven't found the new ones yet. I haven't either. Well, I haven't really looked either, to be honest with you. But that's not really. Um, the only ice cream that I that I buy is Bluebell, which you probably don't know what Bluebell is, but it's a regional brand. Mm. Um, and yes, and I only buy like one pint at a time. It's the it's the you know cheap day special. But uh, but I but I've kind of would I would be tempted to buy the WB just to try them. I don't know if they were uh, any the, good. Those, those the 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 original bars were awesome. Yeah, they were awesome. They were, of course, I was a kid too. A lot of stuff seemed awesome then too. You know? <laughs> All right, so Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, this was, at once, this was a hair versus hair match. Uh, It became a no-DQ, loser-leaves-town match, and I think the thing that I liked most about this match, though there was lots of clunkiness, uh, especially early on, they treated it like a fight. There were wrestling moves in between at some point, but the aggressiveness was there. Sonia Deville, her uh, her vocals, her facial expressions, uh, on point. You know, M- Mandy. It's a little harder to buy her as uh, as this like very aggressive woman, but I thought she did a pretty good job as well. And uh, you know, as we get to the end of the match, there's uh, lots of uh, lots of the Mandy Rose the 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 knee the knee strikes, and then she hits the. Uh, what is it called? Is it the bed of roses? That that thing where she puts. She puts know. the person up like parallel to her body and then face busters them. Uh, and then she hit another knee to win the match. So Sonya is technically gone from WWE or at least yeah, you we'll know, for, for a little for a little while. We'll see uh, rough, uh, rough going for the both of them, actually, recently. So it was it was awesome to see them be able to pull this off in, in the manner that they did. Like I said, not a great match in, in any way, shape or form, but. I think they did what they were supposed to do when it came from treating this as an aggressive fight to not lose your job, which is you know what what Stip was. Yeah, like a lot of stuff during this era, it would have been way better with the crowd, but of course that can't happen. And I think um, Mandy showed a lot of fire at first, and like you said, we've seen Sonya turn it up and look like a badass, but tonight Mandy did at the beginning. She had Way she had her hair slicked back and the just that look on her face, she had fire in her eyes. It was um, that was really good. I thought um, Mandy's gear kind of reminded me of um, of a Lundra Blaze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. definitely some of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not so the, much the the, the 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 same the same Medusa who was on AEW television the night yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and well, I say a Lundra Blaze because it wasn't so much like it wasn't like Medusa's gear like No. You know, it was like that little period 93, 94 when she, you know 95 when she had that Lundra Blaze gear. That was actually the first WWF house show that I ever saw. Um one of the matches on the card was was a Lundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano. And uh, and yes, yeah, so I've always been a fan of that. And they had that classic match at uh, SummerSlam in '94. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so yeah, like, uh, throwback, throw us back throwback. 26 years or whatever it is. Lots of throwbacks. We'll get into throwbacks in the next match. I got a whole <laughs> list of throwbacks in the next match. I, w- I want you to point all of them out. I will even let you point all of these out. I'm just gonna. I, I will glance over. The stuff that happened because there's a lot of stuff that happened in this match, but there was a a particular story, and I have a couple questions about what you thought about this as well. So obviously Seth 
Dominic. It is um, not. It, it was way different from Pat McAfee and, and Adam Cole. And I actually liked this story a lot better. The, the stories were not similar, so it's, I'm not trying to compare the two, but I'm comparing the two in the sense of where you have like the rookie versus, versus the vet. And so here, uh, Seth is, is, is very cocky, right? He's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm the wrestling genius here. You're just the kid. And so he's kind of making him look bad, making him look like a rookie. And then Dominic would pull something off, and he's like super surprised. So, of course, he's got to take a shortcut. He's a heel, and he's got to bully him a little bit, and, and it changes, uh, changes the, the tempo of the match. But Dominic would uh, – Dominic, you know, he wrestled sort of like his dad or sort of like Ricky Steamboat in that he would just never die. Like he'd be he'd be beating, take a beating, take a beating, take a beating, and then boom, come back, just never die. And uh, I, thought, I thought it worked. I thought it worked the entire way here because Seth is also just so dang good in his role. Um, like you said, Dominic told his dad not to interfere, so Ray is having this uh, this conflict with himself because he doesn't want to ruin his son's moment, but at the same time, he's a dad. He, he and really, the silly part of this, if you you know, there's lots of silly stuff, silly things in wrestling. The one part that doesn't really equate for me is that Ray had his eyeball torn out, and he <laughs> so there should be a little bit more fire in him to just say, you know what, screw this. I need to go after this guy as well. But that didn't really happen. Uh, it didn't happen until uh, uh, Buddy Murphy came in, and then Ray decided to, to jump in. But um, anyway, Seth is screaming at Ray for being a bad dad. Uh, because this was a street fight, so chairs and kendo sticks and everything were legal, Seth brings a chair into the ring. Dom uh, drop toll holds him into the chair. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, but Ray's telling Dom because Dom gets a two count, and Dom's a little frustrated. And Ray's like, "No, tranquilo." <laughs> I thought that yeah, was funny. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And so he just says, "Like, tell me, no, no, just relax. You know, just cool out. Like, this is gonna be a long match." Um, and so uh, Dominic gets a kendo stick and hits Seth a bunch of times. Seth gets it and just blasts Dominic many times. At, at one point, they uh, handcuff Ray to the to the bottom rope. And, you know, Ray is not a tall man, so it's not very easy. It's not like, you know, he, he's kind of stretched out there. So as he's stretched out with his, with his hand on the rope and stuff, like they're lashing him with this kendo stick. So just some brutal kendo stick shots. So uh, Rollins has uh, Dominic on the top rope, and there's a there's a table behind them. And uh, at one point, uh, Dominic grabs the kendo stick and kind of uses it to give them sort of like a, a neck breaker in, in in through the table. I thought that was a really cool spot. Uh, Dominic hits what I'm assuming is one of your callbacks. He hits a frog splash uh, for a two count. Yeah, lots uh, of frog and then, splashes on this show. There was lots several, of frog splashes. They were as common as a wrist lock. It seems like. <laughs> or as common as a as a, a tope in an AEW show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, like I said, Buddy Murphy's interfering. Ray's wife comes out at one point, and then Seth kind of makes his way towards her, and that that you know that's when Ray finally finally finds it to interfere. So uh, Dom gets fired up when when uh, he sees you know his mom get involved, but it's now two on one because Ray's handcuffed. Dom hits a six one nine on Seth. But he takes like a a couple of extra seconds to get to the top rope because he's he doesn't do the um, the when, when Ray hits the six one nine you know then he sort of catapults himself sometimes sometimes he goes to the top rope but he'll he'll also kind of use the the top rope to pull himself over and do a splash there and win the match but Dom kind of hesitates goes to the top rope allows Seth to get his knees up 
Uh, so, so, so Dom's out. Seth is baiting Ray. Ray can't get in because Ray's, Ray's still hand, handcuffed. Seth is like, come on, Ray. Come on, Ray. And he sets Dominic up for the curb stomp. Wins the match with the curb stomp. And I just thought, like, every little emotion that you were supposed to feel was, was, was pretty perfect. The match was good. I wouldn't say it was a great match. But there was... Uh, there was a uh, uh, lots of pulling uh, uh, of your emotions, you know, back and forth and back and forth, and that is what pro wrestling uh, is about: is the emotion. So, you know, in no way was this a five star match, but when it came to the emotions and when it came to the story, I thought everybody played their part perfectly, and uh, it was just good stuff. I just really liked this. You know, I, I mentioned in in last night's podcast with John. McAfee and Adam Cole was really good, and I was really surprised, and I was really happy with the athleticism in that match. But it was so contrived, and that story just sucks in general because I don't buy the fact that you know Adam Cole is gaining anything by being this petulant child who yeah, gets pissed I've at somebody. I've not liked that story. I've not liked it. <laughs> yeah. I watched the match. But I haven't this, seen all this... the over, but, but I saw the match, and yeah, the match was good, and I, it was fun or whatever, and it was cute. But yeah, I've, it, at least Cole won. Yeah, no, yeah, but th- this was this was dramatic. This was oh yeah. this was all of the the emotions done right, and I love that about wrestling. Well, you mentioned the emotion, and that's an important part because there's no crowd there, so it's even harder to get that you know that emotion. And WWE doesn't do themselves any favors with the way they shoot things. They you know you could they could utilize I think some more close ups and kind of the way world class. Uh, from from Dallas used to shoot their TV where they showed a lot more, you know, close ups and really got really got you in there and and I mean, I mean WWE has close ups they do that but but like you said this match captured the emotion and also nostalgia for me that's what I kept throughout the whole match it was a good match and it was all about the future in a lot of ways and I just kept being reminded of the past during the whole match because it was like there's a lot of ECW stuff that reminded me because I haven't I haven't seen this much. Uh, um, I haven't seen this much cane swinging since Sandman. <laughs> and I was thinking about it too. Do you remember the first time you saw a kendo stick in wrestling? Because it's such a common prop now. But it used to not be that way. Oh, gosh. I, I don't remember, actually. I mean, I don't really either, but it had to be on one of those old world-class shows. You know, some stereotypical Asian gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. You know, it wasn't till the Sandman and Tommy Cairo and the Singapore caning match that it really became part. And it's really so crazy how um, I was talking to some younger fans and how all these props are so commonplace and there's really no reason for it. Like during the Sonya Deville Mandy match, when they lifted up the, the uh, ring apron Mandy did to get some, uh, uh, get a table out, I believe you could just see the whole pile of kendo sticks there. And it just looks so out of place. Like, why are they there? Why are they, you know, put there? Of course, I kind of figured it was foreshadowing, you know, unintentionally to, to this match. But, but yeah, I don't know. It's just such a common prop. And it, it would, if they didn't use them so much, like for this whole angle with Dominic, they would have been so much more effective. If, you, mm-hmm. if, if every no-holds-barred match, every street fight in, in, in WWE, they got to pull out kendo sticks. And if it would just... If they would kind of pull back on some of that stuff, they would be way more effective. If, but still, that didn't really hurt this match. It was it was great, and it was like I said, it was it was nostalgic. The first thing was 
Seth Rollins gear. Which oh yeah. Was a, which was an homage to Rey Mysterio um, at the Halloween Havoc '97. I believe it was the Phantom. Was that was that the character that it was um, at the time? I think there was a movie at the time. Maybe there was a mm-hmm. comic book character, the Phantom. Anyway, it was an homage to the Phantom, and that was the famous match. Which, if anybody in the sound of my voice hasn't seen this match, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. at Halloween Havoc '97. One of the greatest matches of all time. I mean, maybe one of the greatest matches in definitely WCW history. But so they had, that was an homage to that. And then there, there's all the kendo sticks. That reminded me of ECW. They did the uh, side Russian leg sweep through the table, which was like a Sandman trademark and a just incredible trademark. And then they did even did the, uh, they had the chair and they did the drop toe hold into the chair, which was, um, I don't know who started it, but Raven is, one, is the person I think of when I see it. Raven mm-hmm. at ECW when he used to do that. So it was that. And it just kept, and then the frog splash, it was a tribute to Eddie. And then and then Angie came out, which was which was Ray's wife, which I think was a nice touch. You know, they showed her on, on TV, and I figured she was going to get involved somehow. And then, and then Ray got handcuffed to the ropes, which was like, you know, another ECW spot. You know, I was Tommy Dreamer back in the day. Got handcuffed to the ropes when, you know, a couple different times. Seemed like, I don't know, Tommy's always getting handcuffed to the ropes back in the day. He, there was a spot in the cage. There was the time when the, the Dudleys uh, gave Beulah the 3D, which I think uh, wrote her off TV for, I think, the rest of their ECW run. But, uh, but yeah, then there was the curb stomp and then, you know, the one, two, three and all that. So it was feel fairly looking. But you know what it reminded me of also, kind of, but it was a better version of this. But you remember in in 1999 there was a Hogan Flair feud, mm-hmm. and there was a one angle. And I don't remember what show it was on, but it built up the uh, that cage match, that convoluted cage match they had at, at Uncensored '99, I believe. Yeah. Um, but there was that angle they did with, with with David Flair, where Hogan was just whipping David Flair with a weight belt. I mean, mm-hmm. viciously whipping him, and Flair was watching. I don't know. It was Flair might have been handcuffed during that or held or something. I think he was held, maybe. Maybe not handcuffed. Maybe he was held or something against his will. or I don't know, but it kind of reminded me of that, like a version of that. And I'm sure there's some other angles that are like that, similar to that. Um, wasn't there a Dusty Dustin angle like that years ago, too? With Million, million Dollar Man and Virgil? Yeah, 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 I think so. I don't know. It wasn't quite as violent as this one. But, uh, but yeah, it was a good match. Dominic looked really good. This was the weekend for, for really good debuts, um, mm-hmm. and like you said, Dominic sold well, and that was the thing that surprised me about both him and Pat McAfee was they they sold really well for people that you know aren't used to you know doing that and haven't been in front of that many live crowds. They're not even in front of a live crowd for this show, and so it was a solid you know it was a solid match. All right, so um, then we got to the next. First, where do you think they're going from here? Well, I was just going to say, where do you think they're going from here? Is this the end of, is there going to be another Ray? I mean, Ray's back, so is he signed? Did he re-sign? Is he back from the match? I would guess guess that they probably signed him uh, fairly recently. Uh, I, I mean, you know. Look what they did with his son. Like he, he was in. I don't know if this is the longest match. If it wasn't, it was close to the longest match. Uh, they, they, they want him right. And one of the ways that you can 
show Ray that you want him is by uh, making Don, his son look great. So I think for his sake, you know, he probably thinks that uh, this is the best thing. I I know this is um, a little backwards because at first it was Ray and Seth and then it was Dom and Seth to go back to like a tag team match, I think is, is a little backwards. But I think that might be a really great match. Well, they kind you... of set that up a little bit tonight because yeah, yeah. Murphy interfered and Murphy interfering was the impetus for Ray to actually finally get involved in the match after saying he wouldn't because Dominic wanted to do it on his own, but then he was getting double teamed. This was all after the, um, his wife was there. Ray was pleading with uh, Angie, his wife, to go back to go backstage. Basically, she had came out onto the you know onto the you know stage right there, and right and then. Murphy was double teaming, um, or no, actually it wasn't a double team. I think Murphy was just attacking Dominic with a kendo stick outside or whatever, and Ray made the save. And so, so yeah, that would perfectly lead, you know, that would lead, that puts Ray kind of with, with Murphy, you know, a little bit. So that sets up a tag team match, which is only what, next weekend, maybe? Yeah, maybe for payback. Yeah. So we'll see. This is like, it, uh, Speaking of nostalgia and throwbacks, this is like this Tuesday in Texas all over again. Except oh, it's not yeah. on Tuesday. It's not in Texas. but And there's not Macho Man Jake Roberts, which... <laughs> yeah, no. I, I remember that, that pay-per-view very well. Um, so, uh, quickly, since you mentioned it, do you think they could also be leading to a uh, Survivor Series match? Because... You know, I could see them gaining more friends on each side to uh, to fulfill. And and if so, what a dynamite Survivor Series elimination match if they do have these two teams against each other. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. And I don't know though. That's I think you're giving them a little bit too much credit for how far. Yeah, they're I know. We're, we're like three really, months away from but, Survivor Series. But, but hey, maybe we've had a creative change and things have actually been a little bit better. Maybe I mean, there's been. I mean. I mean, Raw is what it is. It's too long. And so it's just hard to make an entertaining show that long. You know, that it's not an actual sport, you know, that that's just that, that just runs that long, like like football or something, you know. But it's just it's just so hard. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wondering by Survivor Series, they're gonna be done with their residency at the Amway Center by then. And so do they take the Thunderdome on the road or do they start running shows with live fans? I'm not sure, you know, who knows what it's going to be like by November. All right, let's talk about your favorite match of the night. Yeah. Sasha yeah, Banks. Sasha Banks and Asuka. Um, just uh, just really good stuff. Some scary stuff. Yeah, some scary Asuka, stuff. Definitely some scary Asuka stuff. Asuka takes that powerbomb to the floor, which uh, I, was try- I was looking at her shoulders, and I was looking at her back, and I was looking at her head. I don't think she hit her head, and I think she braced herself very well. But still, that she came down with some kind of force uh, in that move. Um, if you haven't seen it uh, on FightGameMedia.com, in our report, I uh, I uh, embedded the tweet from uh, from the SummerSlam account, so it's there. If, if you haven't seen it, pretty brutal. But uh, lot lots of uh, lots of uh, knee bars from Asuka into an ankle lock. Um, she did a really sweet sort of like a almost like an inverted DDT from the second rope on a Sasha. I thought Sasha's selling was uh, really great. The um, Bailey was like the coach 
Bailey was like inspirational in the corner telling Sasha. She was the Bobby Nasca. Heaton. Yeah, or yeah, I was about to say the coach John Tolos, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the coach or, wasn't wasn't a great character. <laughs> maybe more like uh, maybe more like Mister Perfect with Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's yelling at her, "You're better than Oscar, Sasha Two Belts," and so she was kind of inspiring her. And uh, so, like you said, throwback to the uh, the opener, uh, Oscar goes for that butt attack again, and Sasha. Had ta- uh, or uh, um, Sasha had taken it for Bailey uh, the first time, and so now it's time for Bailey to return the favor. And nope, Bailey moves out of the way, and so Asuka misses the butt attack, um, throws a sweet back fist at Bailey, knocks Bailey off the uh, off the apron or uh, yeah off the apron and to the floor. Sasha tries to roll into the bank statement. Asuka reverses it into the Asuka lock. And then Sasha taps. So Oscar is your Raw Women's Champion. And I, and I was looking at the, like the 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 Oscar lock wasn't snug at all. And I think it's because uh, at the last show, whatever that was, was it Extreme Rules or whatever? Uh, she Extreme I, Rules. Yeah, they, they there was an issue with Sasha's hair. I don't know if you if you saw that. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. match. But she kind of tugged on the hair a little bit, and so Sasha was really worried about her hair. So this time. It looked like the, the you know they they made sure that there wasn't going to be an issue with the hair, so it wasn't as snug as as an Oscar lock as you would have seen. But Sasha taps out, and Oscar is Raw Women's Champ. Becky, you know Beck Becky's face is one of disdain, like frustration, but also one of like, well, at least I still have my belt. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of a cool like kind of a cool look from Bailey. I don't know. I don't know if everyone sort of got that. That's kind of what I got out of it, but uh, it, it was cool. I, I like the whole, I like the whole thing that they did with this. Uh, obviously there's going to be some sort of Bailey versus Sasha match down the line, but let's keep postponing that as far as possible. Cause these women are great together. I was just going to say that please let, don't let this be the breakup or let tomorrow not be the breakup or this week or next week. Or like, I think they should wait till they have fans and I think they can, Keep it going. I mean, look. I mean, look how long that Rob Van Dam and Sabu had their. You know, speaking of ECW earlier, you know, Rob Van Dam and Sabu, they were the odd couple. We're not really the odd couple. They were just kind of the feuding partners tag team. Um, you know, if they could do something similar like that, or just please don't let it. But this was such great storytelling, though, because, like you said, Bailey moved out of the way, and but that didn't necessarily cost Sasha the match because. There was the whole sequence, you know, right into that. So there is the. So it kind of, you know, it's a kind of a, kind of a heelish move by Bailey. But it, but 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 Sasha still lost the match, even though it kind of played into it, but not really because she went. You know, there was the mm-hmm. going for the bank statement and then the counter. I think was 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 how it all went, and and so it was kind of that was a kind of a, I think a nice touch where it it you know it, the plot thickens. You know, so to speak. So, I was just kind of like, well, I'm I'm just going to say the one thing is like Sasha just won the title. So, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of the only thing I didn't like was, you know, like the finish and all that, but I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't like that aspect. They just, she hadn't really got established as a champion. And now Oscar's the champion again. So, where do you go from here? They do. They, they trade the belt back and forth, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. But but that was the only negative I had. Other than that, I mean, there was a 
Like I said, there was another uh, frog splash in this match too. That's like what three matches now. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> which, which this was definitely a tribute to Eddie because that's uh, one of Sasha's favorite um, favorite wrestlers. Maybe her favorite. I don't, I don't want to speak for her, but I know she's a big. You know, even her gear is um, is Eddie, which Eddie Guerrero is my favorite wrestler of all time. So me and her have that have that in common. And um, but yeah, so it was a good like. There, there's such a good act. Like you said, Bailey on the outside. Just doing that cheerleading, you know, like a coach. Just you know, you can do it, kind of rah rah rah. But then when the when the going gets tough, then Bailey kind of you know gets out of the way. So that's a that was a nice touch, I thought. All right, before we get to the last two matches, quickly, let's talk about Sunday Ticket. Now, Chris, I'm not sure how big of a football fan you are, but um, Sunday ticket is uh is a super great package you can stream every live out of market nfl game every sunday afternoon on your favorite devices and i don't know if you play fantasy football but they've no, got fantasy I, fo- I fantasy before, zone yeah. channels yeah so you, you get it yeah, they got I, fantasy I, zone channels red zone channels and you never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players and no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. So you were telling me earlier that... That's a pretty good deal. You used to, you, you, yeah, you used to be Houston Oilers yeah, I was fan. A, I was a, when I was a kid, I was, a, I, was a, I was an Oilers fan, and then they moved to Tennessee, and I didn't follow them on the move. some hard feelings over that. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, um, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so don't hold that against me. Um, <laughs> and I haven't the, – the Texans were just, I guess, so new. I was kind of wanted to be a Texans fan, but kind of not. I mean, I just haven't – I haven't – just, just really gone all the way with the Texans, and I haven't, haven't converted over yet. So, still a Cowboys fan, which is kind of somewhat of a rivalry in the state. You know, there's, there's, there's Cowboys fans and Texas fans are usually not, except for my dad. I don't know any others that are fans of both. <laughs> and all so right, so about the Red Zone. With- the Red Zone is pretty cool too. I always love that, uh, that channel. That, that's really cool. You can oh, R- you- Red Zone. If, if you have a Sunday where you literally don't have anything to do. You could sit on red zone for six or seven hours and be completely entertained. It's, it's ridiculous. It's great. Yeah. 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 Sunday ticket is a good feature, especially if you live out of a, you know, you know, especially out of market, you know, say I'm a Cowboys fan, say I live in, you know, Wyoming or something. You have Sunday ticket, you can get the game because you're probably, you're not, there's no guarantee you're going to be able to watch the game. Otherwise. Yeah. To, yeah, totally. Okay. So uh, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, this was my favorite match. Um, the match kind of gets kicked into gear. Uh, Orton's on the outside, slams McIntyre into the announcer's table. Does not break. I don't think it was meant to break because the next move was him suplexing McIntyre off the table onto the floor. McIntyre immediately grabs his collarbone. So I think that was just to tease the fans there. I, I hope he didn't actually hurt it. Uh, but they get back inside the ring. Orton goes for the count. McIntyre kicks out at one, and Orton looks at the ref, and he's like, one, huh? You know, in the way Orton only can, where he's not, he's not, Orton's not, he's not too worried at this point. He's not panicking. He's just like, oh, he kicked out at one. And so um, McIntyre at one point puts Orton into figure four, a little bit of an ode to Ric Flair since uh, Randy Orton was not 
really nice to one of his mentors on Raw a couple weeks back. Uh, Orton, uh, Orton, the way Orton gets out of it is he kind of kind of nudges the referee and then he gouges McIntyre's eye. And I think he cut him open legit. Like Randy Orton may need to cut his fingernails because I saw some blood <laughs> around like the bridge of uh, yeah, McIntyre's yeah. nose and around his eye. Definitely blood. There was definitely blood there. I noticed that too. And I was kind of wondering where it came from and I figured that was kind of kind of where it was. But so, yeah, there's didn't quite go the way they want to. Maybe there's maybe that's one of those like Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton spot. Randy Orton went hard way. One time. Yeah, he went to do it hard way. <laughs> do, it, do it one time like that. All right, so uh, so they go toe to toe, throwing fisticuffs. Drew's getting the better of it. Clotheslines Orton, gives him two sweet overhead belly to bellies. Uh, goes to the top rope, hits a clothesline, then hits a future shock DDT for a two. Goes off the top again, and um, uh, Randy is nowhere to be found, and so he leaps off and kind of lands on his feet, and he's like selling the selling knee. He'd, he'd hurt it a little bit earlier, and he hurts it again. Orton from that moment does that snap power slam of his the 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 one that rotates really quickly like Dustin does uh, for two, for a nice two count. Orton's setting up the RKO. He looks like he's getting ready for your RKO. Then he decides against. He's like, nope, not going to do the RKO here. I'm going to punt him. Kind of sits back in, in, into the turnbuckles, measuring him, measuring him, measuring him. Runs for the punt. Great camera shot because you kind of are, are waiting to see what's coming. You just see Big Big Drew's back, picks up Orton, powerbomb. Drew sets up his own kick. He's setting up for the Claymore. Similarly, gets back, backs up, backs up, runs, misses completely. Orton moves out of the way, but then he backslides Randy Orton. Uh, kind of a surprise finish to this match, but uh, still a really, a really good finish. And Drew wins the match. And at this point, I was like, I'm so happy that they did not take the belt off of him here. Even though we don't have any fans, he is absolutely everything you need in a babyface champion. And uh, Orton's great, too. But Orton doesn't need the title. I think the title accentuates Drew. It makes him feel more special. And Randy Orton is a, is a great is a great person for him to be feuding with. But I don't think Orton needs to needs to beat him. I think you know Orton can can wait a little while for for Edge, and uh, and you know if they want to do that as a title match, though I don't even know why they would need it. It's like you know two over forty dudes you know wrestling for your title. I'm not sure we need that. But uh, but yeah, I loved it. I loved everything about it, and I love everything about Drew right now. I think he's on fire. Yeah, it was great. Like you said, I think it was. Um, you said the backslide it was a backslide out of nowhere. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Randy Orton's got the RKO out of nowhere, so Drew's coming up with his with his backslide out of nowhere. But yeah, it was a maybe a defining moment for Drew. I thought this was his best match since since winning the title. The first one, he really felt like you kind of touched on it. You know that that top baby face, you know, star. Um, and it was a very slow, methodical match, you know, just like a lot of Randy Orton matches. And it was, but it was good. And there was, there was also a Shawn Michaels inset promo before the match. I think maybe after the entrances again, like I was talking about earlier. And I thought that would play into the match later, like, but it had no effect on it. It was just a Shawn Not Michaels. Not at all. Yeah, just a Shawn Michaels deal from, from some, I don't even know where he was at. And he was like, it was weird because he was shot like that WWE way where he's not looking at the camera, he's looking off. And it's, I don't know, it's weird that, that whole WWE stuff. They've kind of gotten away from that, you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, they do, still shoot interviews like that, but a lot, 
all the promos, even the ones on this show are, you know, like facing the camera, like old school. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I thought that would, thought that would play into it because Shawn Michaels did that angle on, uh, I think it was Raw. Uh, well, I mean, it had to have been Raw, but I think it was last Monday. Uh, was it during the go home or was it the week before? I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, I don't remember either. I, I've, it's All these shows just kind of merge into each other to me. Yeah. There's one callback I'd like to make to a previous Fight Game podcast where I don't remember which episode. It was last week maybe, but John was talking about, you know, the power slam. And mm-hmm. you, you, you mentioned Randy Orton did the running power slam. Yeah. Well, thinks John's right. Nobody does the old school power slam anymore. And it's like such Dr. an impressive. We're talking about Doctor Death, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh no, yeah, no, like, we're oh, talking about Ron Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Simmons. I think Doctor Death got brought up, but you know, he really does. Well, I think on another episode, I think John mentioned how uh, nobody did the Oklahoma Stampede like Doctor Death. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, the running power slam. Nobody does that, and that snap, you know, power slam thing, whatever. I mean, you know. Y'all to point. Everybody's doing it, and it's just one of those common things that that a regular old-fashioned running power slam would would do it. Somebody like you know, um, I guess Braun does it a little bit sometimes. I guess, and you know, that's one of his five moves of doom. Um, he's got a <laughs> he's got a power slam, uh, but but yeah. So getting back to Drew though, I mean, what I mean, poor guy. I mean, what a you know he. He was the NXT, he gets called up, and then, you know, that's when he hurts himself in the NXT match when he's dropping the title. And then, so then he, then he finally rises to the ranks again, you know, after doing the whole indie deal for a while, right? Well, I guess he came back after the indie deal. But, but anyway, however the timeline goes. And then they got the pandemic deal, and he's really not had a fair crack, you know, at being the top of But they've done a really good job. And like I said, I don't know where it goes from here. Like you said, I don't know, um, I don't want Randy to beat him for the title. I'm glad they didn't take the title off of him. I didn't think that would help him at all. Um, and it, like you said, Randy doesn't need the title at all. He can feud with anybody. Um, I don't know where they go from here, though. I don't know if, if Drew moves on to somebody else and um, Randy moves on to some, you know, somebody else, or if if Keith, Lee, Keith Lee's coming up. Keith Lee, that's yeah, yeah, that's next right after this match. The vignette, Keith Lee. So. That makes me feel better about him dropping the title after winning it so soon. So, and yes, you know, I think you even mentioned it on the show, you know, how Keith Lee is to me, he is the guy to, you know, run with got to prefer strap the proverbial rocket to his back. Um, he's got, I think he ticks most of the boxes and is just charismatic. He's got even, I think more charismatic since coming to WWE and maybe I'm just biased because I, I remember Keith Lee. I saw him on a first time I ever saw him was on an um, indie show of all places here in East Texas. Um, and he was in a, I can't think, a cage match or something. And I was just like, man, this dude is good. He is really good. And then I saw him in Ring of Honor, I think on one of the Ring of Honor shows around Texas somewhere. And then he went to Ring of Honor with that tag team with Shane Thorne, which is kind of a forgotten you know, team that was great for just a, you know, little small window. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he is so, Keith Lee, I hope they don't screw this up. You know, they've, they've done well with some people, you know, but then some people they've, you know, there's all the ones you can name off, Ricochet and whoever else you want to put in that category that they've had so much immense talent and they've just squashed it. 
or not squashed it, but they've, you know, not utilized them to the full potential. And so I hope they do that with Keith Lee. I'm, I'm pretty excited about Keith Lee being on the main roster because, I mean, they kind of need a shot in the arm, new star. So maybe – I don't know if he's going to wrestle true, though. I, 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 I mean, I don't see Keith Lee as the as, – as a heel when he comes into WWE when he debuts, but maybe maybe he's going to be a heel. I don't know. It's not really the right call, I wouldn't think. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe Drew's going to be – maybe Drew's going to go heel. I don't know. Who knows? But that would be a match I'd want to see for sure. All right, so the main event of this show is The Fiend and Braun Strowman, and it's a Falls Count Anywhere match. Braun is not moving well at all. Uh, So uh, Strowman's taking most of this match early, really beating The Fiend up. They go uh, away from ringside. They go to the back. Uh, Fiend gets the upper hand, hits a sister Abigail backstage for a two-count they start battling back toward the ring, and Strowman gets a box cutter, and he goes to cut up the middle of the ring, which exposes the wood underneath the uh, the mat. And it's actually the Tank Abbott. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Super Brawl. Thanks to one of the Super Brawls. Uh, and so then, uh, not not a good idea because the fiend is the one who actually takes advantage of it and gives him two sister Abigails on the wood to win the match. And this is where I saw I was like, Braun's not moving well at all. Like he's not taking these sister Abigails very well. It's probably pretty hard. He's such a big guy to kind of have to get in that position and kind of rotate really quickly. Uh, so I don't really blame him, but I just I just wonder how if he's hurting. I would imagine so. He's such a big dude. Um, and so, you know, sort of an anticlimactic way to end this pay-per-view. You're like, oh, okay, well, whatever. And it was all really a setup for Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns comes out and just beats the hell out of both of them, like we said earlier. And Roman Reigns kind of throws the... Uh, he, he leaves the... Pay- so so for, from my viewpoint, I know I like this show a lot better than a lot of people, but I thought most everything on this show worked... And then I knew I wasn't going to like the main event. So you, you leave kind of in a downer. But Roman was there to kind of raise the, the energy level back up and for to give people something to talk about, which I thought, well, that was good because that angle was much better than the match was. And it put him puts him back into the, uh, you know, into the whole scheme. And, and I really liked it. And I like Roman. So a really good way to end the show, even if the match wasn't really anything. Yep, the big dog reclaimed his yard, and so that was kind of the theme for the uh, for the angle afterwards. And it was like you said earlier, he had that wreck uh, wreck everyone and leave shirt, and that's pretty much what he did. He wrecked everyone, stood tall, held the title up over uh, you know stood tall over the the classic WWE deal where they stand over the dude and hold the title up. Um, so he's like, and like I said earlier, Stone Cold Roman, I mean, was really and. And I just love the term Rick, because that just takes me back to like all those old, uh, all those old hip hop albums I listened to from from oh, yeah. Houston. And oh so, yeah. So I love, and that's a term that I use that, uh, you know, most of me and my friends, you know, talking about you know Rick and shop on the buffet or you know Rick and shop or you know <laughs> whatever. And so I was glad to see that, that was a, I kind of popped for that too. The one thing about the match I was wondering is where was Alexa Bliss. And what was she's in the video package? <laughs> yeah, she's it. in the video package. And of course, I know you don't watch all the TVs, and so, but I, you know, like I said, I try to watch, you know, at least run the needle through it, so to speak. Uh, you know, I might skip through a lot of stuff, but 
you know, Alexa was a big part of the uh, whole storyline the last two weeks, really. And then they have the match, and she's nowhere to be seen. And it would have helped. Like you said, Braun was looking, you know, kind of like he was hurting. And I kind of seemed like he was hurting because there's a lot of the spots that he usually does, like the, where he, he runs and somebody moves and he crashes into something. Mm-hmm. He didn't really do that. Um, he didn't really take, a, you know, a lot of, you know, of course, because, you know, He's not going to bump and feed like like most people, so he, you know, he's not going to take a lot of bumps, and he shouldn't because he's you know he's a big monster, and he's supposed to be. The whole story on here was he turned into a monster, you know, because Bray the Fiend made him into a monster, and so that all worked into it. But if they use Alexa Bliss, maybe that could have taken some of the load off of Braun, and he wouldn't have to, you know, throw himself around so much. They could have done something more with that. I thought. Um, that's the only thing. There's only whole, and it maybe would have added some intrigue to the match. Maybe we wouldn't be so bored watching it. Um, so, but it all was in the end. It all set up Roman, and that was that was pretty good. You know, it was a, it was really I think one of the best things they've ever done with Roman. And maybe that's because there's not fans there to boo him. Um, you know, through no fault of his own, really. Um, so I think they're on the right path, and it was a great time to bring him back. They need a surprise. Um, I just wonder if he wrestles on the pay-per-view on, on Sunday or if they save that for TV or something. I don't know. We'll have to find out on Monday. I'm sure yeah. I, I expect that. I expect that raw to be up a little bit too, just because he's back. I think, I think it'll, 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 it'll inject a little bit of, uh, I don't know of, about that. Uh, I think some... it'll be on SmackDown. Oh, you're it'll right. On... You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So it'll be, so it'll right. be which is actually better because, the people that didn't watch the pay-per-view or not that are watching Raw tomorrow, uh, maybe they can they'll have some commercials, I'm sure. Maybe they'll talk about it. And so maybe they can, you know, build it up for Friday. And his, you know, return to SmackDown, that, you know, this week they had the Thunderdome to kind of, you know, boost the ratings. And so next week, or, or I mean, this coming up week, they're going to have, you know, Roman's return. So that's a pretty good, maybe that'll be, you know, pretty good for the numbers. All right, Chris is going to come back with me to end the show, but uh, I'm going to send it to the interview that I did with Robert Silva. We talked about the boxing from this weekend. It finally felt like a true boxing card uh, post-pandemic. And then we talked a little bit about uh, his uh, his greatest fights of all time. So uh, one thing to note, uh, his his headset kept cutting out. It wasn't every, It wasn't really until the end, but I apologize for that. I told him off-air... Uh, that I'm going to find him a better mic so that when we do these, and he's got other podcasts too, so I want him to be able to do those uh, uh, with a better mic. So hopefully I'll I'll find something for him and send it to him. But uh, let's listen to uh, the conversation that I had with Robert Silva. Now to end this show, to close the show, we're bringing in the Armando Benitez of the... I'm just kidding. Armando Benitez was not as good as the hey. great Robert Silva. Well, at least he wasn't hey. as good with the Giants. Yeah, my favorite my favorite uh, New York Mets closer of all time was the great Randall K. Myers. That's my favorite. You can call me the Randall K. Myers of the go. Fight Game Podcast. <laughs> one, one of the nasty boys. Yes, yes. And the fucking Reds fleeced the Mets. When they traded a bum ass John Franco for Randy Myers, <laughs> the year they traded for him, they win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's so let's talk about um, 
some boxing stuff. The uh, just on Saturday, oh. it felt a little bit to me like you know during this pandemic, we've had to deal with a you know, a little bit of a difference in our sports. When it comes to sports like the UFC and boxing, you know, there's a little bit of a, an aspect of when you can't do live fans, a lot of your monetary, a lot of your, uh, you know, the, the, the way that you can pay your talent is through live gates. And so boxing obviously loses that. UFC loses that. They haven't been able to bring back Conor McGregor because it doesn't really make any sense. Right. But yesterday was the first day where I really felt like it was almost sort of a normal fight day. You had the uh, Dillian White and the Povetkin fight. You had uh, Katie Taylor on that undercard. You had Joe Smith and, uh, and Elider Alvarez. Did you feel like it was a little bit closer to, to a normal kind of fight day, just uh, for maybe even it, for the first time? It felt, it, it felt I agree with you, uh, Garrett. It felt like the very first real fight night, fight day since the pandemic. Only problem I got, I got a huge, this is a huge problem that box, the boxing networks have to address. The quality of announcing in boxing is at an all-time low. No other sport would tolerate the incompetence that, that the announcers in boxing are. They are horrible. They what, don't know. What do you think the problem is? I, boxing is the only sport that does this. The zone has a bunch of ex WWE announcers that don't don't know anything about the sport that are calling it. Uh, and yesterday I was watching the Sky commentary on the Povetkin White fight, and they were acting like Dillian White was Larry Holmes and Povetkin was <laughs> Peter McNeely. It it, did, it didn't make any sense to me. It's uh, maybe and top rank Bob Arum. He started this. A few years ago when he fired, when he forced ESPN to fire Teddy Atlas and hired his own people. Andre Ward is excellent, but Timothy Bradley screams for no reason. Mm -hmm. Joe Tessitore screams for no reason. Mark Kriegel doesn't have a clue. He's horrible. All right. In between with, with his analysis, with his, I mean, last week he called Belfast pound for pound the biggest, the, the best city in boxing. What the mm -hmm. hell? <laughs> Not even our boy Duan would agree with that. Come on, <laughs> he—they—they—it's this is the only sport, Garrett, that allows incompetence to run the airwaves. HBO had a great boxing uh, a, a team for years, for years with Larry Merchant and George Foreman and Jim Lampley, and before him Barry Tompkins, Roy Jones, Andre Ward. Tremendous. Since HBO left, you see. You see how bad the announcing crew is. The zone is hard. Sergio Mora is horrible. It's just hard. Of the Fox crew, last night, the one fight you didn't mention, the Sean Porter fight. Yeah, I didn't, I, that's the one I... Oh, I mean, Joe Goosen, he's horrible. He's horrible. And Brian Kel Kenny is a solid announcer. He knows boxing. And Lennox Lewis is only good when he's pushed with, with, with other good announcers because he was decent on HBO. He's horrible on Fox because him and Goosen going back, it's... It's 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 a cure for insomnia. It's horrible. The NFL wouldn't put this, put up with this. Major League Baseball or the NBA wouldn't put up with this. I I think Garrett answer your question. It's got to do with budget. These guys could pay these guys anything and just throw it out there, and they don't know the difference between a left jab, a left hook, and a right cross. It's horrible. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, now that we have all of these sports who are streaming. 
you know, a lot of this stuff is happening on ESPN Plus and DAZN, like you said. And the networks are NFL, MLB. You know, it's a really big deal, NBA, for the announcers to be either a quality announcer. Usually the play-by-play guy is really good, but then they bring in someone who's got a little bit of a name to do the color. And where is... You know, where are those guys? I mean, Andre Ward, you mentioned him. Timothy Bradley, you mentioned him. But no, where, one's, where no, one's picked up, no one's picked up Roy Jones Jr., who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest color commentators in the history of the sport. No one is, since HBO went out, out and uh, Max Kellerman is excellent, excellent color comments. I, I, I do wonder, though, if because there's so many sports to stream... You do leave the uh, the situation with very honest. If something su- sucks, he's going to say it sucks. Bradley is too. Uh, he's like a cheerleader for the Arab fighters. Oh, oh, Crawford's the best of the world. Last night talking about oh, be back. His, his, his trainers. Be, the only great fighter he's ever trained is Terence Crawford. What's this nonsense? Bradley and Tesla tour talking about oh, oh, they they have high standing in the boxing world. They got one fighter. <laughs> <laughs> well, unbelievable. Well, but, but with, They're with, cheerleaders for Arab. Where are the great com- commentators? I told you a few months ago. Kendall Gill. Somebody needs to hire him. He he filled in for the zone one night and he blew handsome. every. Uh, Ken- Kendall Gill's too handsome. He's ca- I mean, he's phenomenal. I'm glad. I'm glad Paulie Paulie Mal- I'm glad Paulie Malinaki got fired because he was, he was, he was in business for himself. Yeah. He's like a wrestling color commentator that wants to put himself over before the fight, and his comments bit him in the ass. He's going good for him. We right. need Raul Marquez is good. The, the guys like that. All right, let's let's change gears a little bit because yeah. I do want to talk about. Uh, the fights uh, out of the fights yesterday. What? What? what uh, I mean, there were some pretty, pretty amazing knockouts. Uh, what? What were you? What? What? What did you come out of this slate last night? The you know, winner. The win. The winner of Saturday was Alec, uh, Alexander Povetkin. You know, I'm uh, doing you podcast, and we'll be talking about that later. But one of the guys I do the podcast with, uh, my, my, my friend Tone, he predicted that Povetkin was going to knock out. Dillian White, because Dillian White has is susceptible to a left hook, and Povetkin has a hammer of a left hook. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a left uppercut, and put Dillian White to sleep. And in my opinion, that's it for Dillian White. He's done. He's done. Stick a fork in him. And Povetkin now, Povetkin's got a. Sh- if I was Povetkin, get a fight with Usyk, have it out in, in Russia or the Ukraine, it would do major business. Because I don't think they're affected like we are over here. They will have fans over there. They should. Seriously, consider that. And I don't see Povetkin beating Usyk, but it'd be a huge payday for a guy who's had a very good career. What 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 did you take uh, coming out of that? Where they're saying that the the white side has an automatic uh, rematch. If I was Povetkin, uh, if I would only take it if I can't get a fight with Usyk, the winner of Fury Wilder or or, or uh, Joshua. If I can't get a fight with any of those four fighters. I'll fight White. He doesn't have to go by. Well, what they what they going to do? Strip him of the WBC afterlife title, uh, the <laughs> WBC diamond shit title? And that's another thing. Not only is boxing shooting himself in the foot, not only with, with the announcers, but 
the sanctioning bodies with multiple titles in one division. The WBO had a fight yesterday. The WBO Global Welterweight Title. Kiss my ass, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what? The, if I, Povetkin should go to the highest bidder. He doesn't have. He doesn't have to go with that rematch clause. He could take those belts and hand them back to Eddie Hearn and say, "Here, you can have them." <laughs> All right. So. Um before we get to uh, the meat of this, which is going to be, we're going to be talking about the list of your greatest fights of all time. We are in the top five. The first, the the number five fight will be posted uh, probably earlier in the week on Fight Game Media. And then we're going to talk about your super middleweights list, which the first post uh, was posted uh, last week. Um, Carl Froch, mm-hmm. number five on your list. Before we get to that, I want your th- quick thoughts on two things. First thing, what is Oscar De La Hoya trying to do here? It's a it's a damn near billionaire. He's almost a billionaire who's bored, who sees all these other guys coming out of retirement. Sergio Martinez came out a retirement Friday night oh, and yeah. fought some stiff. Uh, you've got Roy Jones, Mike Tyson. And so Oscar's throwing his hat in there. I don't know why. The man is filthy rich. He doesn't need a dollar. He's not hungry. He's bored. And that boredom's going to get him hurt. Okay, next thing. Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., what are your thoughts on that exhibition, and does that even come off? I don't know if that's going to happen because they delayed it once, and I'm thinking they delayed it to the the day after Thanksgiving, thinking uh, there might be fans to come, might be fans to attend. All right. If if the pandemic situation continues the way it is now, watch that fight either be delayed again or eventually postponed. There's a good chance, in my opinion, I have no inside info, but it's in my opinion, there's a good chance that fight's never going to happen. Okay, so I am waiting for. So I don't know if you've seen this, but the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs had something like I don't know. 5,000 or 10,000 fans or something at their practice. And they... So- no! They so- no! Listen, I didn't know about listen. this. <laughs> they, socially, they socially distance them. They force them to wear masks. But the writer from The Athletic, I, I, I forgot his name, but who, who wrote the piece that I was reading, said that, you know, when the fans were hollering at Patrick, you know, Mahomes, that mask was coming off. And so what it made me wonder is, you know, when, you, when you're talking about this, you know, trying to find a, a way to get people in, I think the safest way to do it is find one of these outdoor soccer uh, stadiums. You know, they're a little bit smaller. They're not, you know, your 65,000 football stadiums are probably a little closer to like 20 or 30. And try if you want people to do, I mean, AEW, the wrestling is doing this where you just sit people so far away but you could still charge a little bit of money and you could right. get a little bit of that environment, that ambiance in, in the place. It's not going to be, you know, what it could have been without the pandemic. But I do wonder if we're going to see attempts at that both in, you know, in all the combat sports, whether it's I, UFC I, or, or boxing. I think the NFL is going to be the first. I read all the teams. Uh, I read last week. I didn't know that about Kansas City. Thanks for telling, telling me about that. But I read all the reports for all the teams, the Giants and the Jets. Won't be having any fans anytime soon because New York and New Jersey has a ban of more than 25 people gathering. So that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, the Saints, they, they, they're they not going to have any fans at least in September. So uh, 
We'll, we'll, we'll see. I didn't know that about the Chiefs, but you know what? I, that, that's a nice um, experiment. Let's see what happens with that. The, the sick thing is that we're experimenting with humans and a disease, though, and a virus. <laughs> and what, unfortunately, the NFL could do that because they're the most popular sport in, in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get to the stuff that uh, we brought you on. But first, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about your new podcast. you got two podcasts going on right now, right? But Besides my monthly uh my monthly guest appearance on this great podcast, I have World Championship Boxing podcast that I've been doing now for nine years with my with my main man Logan, uh, where we do the greatest performances in the history of boxing. We talk about a great fighter and we talk about his three greatest performances. And um, I've talked about everybody. I mean, there's really nobody, but the only people I haven't talked about are the ones that there's no footage of. Because I'm not going to sit here and talk and 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 base this guy's performance on newspaper clippings. I have to have actual video footage for not only me to analyze, but the fans to look at to see if I'm full of shit or not. So for those that have footage, I've covered every great fighter from the past, and we're, uh, we continue to do that. We're up to our 141st fighter. Um, and then a new podcast that I've, I'm doing with, with my buddies Vegas and Tone, Championship Rounds Podcast. Our premiere podcast started last month. It, uh, what we do, it's a three-part podcast. You know, he's my man Vegas has never listened to your podcast other than when I've been on. Mm-hmm. But it's eerily similar similar to yours, um, Garrett. He breaks it down in parts. Part one, we talk about the fights that happened in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. We review, we recap those fights. Part two, we talk about the the upcoming boxing calendar. What fights to look for? What do we? Th- what are our opinions? Who do we think is going to win? So forth. And part three, we score a classic fight from the past, a controversial classic fight. Last month, we reviewed the Julio Cesar Chavez Pernell Whitaker fight from September 1993. All three of us were in unison. Uh, two of us had it 10 rounds to two Whitaker. One of us had it nine rounds to three Whitaker. How they scored that fight <laughs> a draw, to this point in my life, I do not understand. But we, we do that. And um, next week, we'll be doing our second podcast. And one of the fights that we'll be talking about is going to be on the on one of the top five greatest fights of all time. So I just want the, the listeners out there, I'm not going to spoil it. Wait till you see the link and you'll see what we're talking about. And, we'll, of course, we're going to go deeply into Podvetkin, Joe Smith, and Sean Porter. And... The upcoming Errol Spence Danny Garcia fight, which will tell us the barometer as to whether or not Errol Spence is the same or he's severely affected by that car crash. Uh, can I offer a suggestion in a fight mm-hmm. that I would love to hear your scoring on that really bothered me when I was a child? I feel Michael Spinks may have won that first fight with Larry Holmes. He did win the first fight. He but, won the first fight. Yeah. But I think Larry Holmes won that second fight. Uh, Holmes got robbed in the second fight. And that I'll definitely put that on the back burner as one of the fights we look at. Because um, I don't see how they could have gave Michael Spinks that fight. Other than the powers to be wanted Holmes out of the way. Because he had, you know, he had a besmirched <laughs> Rocky Marciano. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, but think about it this way, right? Yeah. Let's say Holmes is undefeated. And then you have Tyson coming in 
trying to spoil the end. That's a bigger fight than the Spinks fight. And and the funny thing is, Spinks, the, uh, this was part of the Don King HBO tournament. After Spinks beat Holmes, he got the hell out of the tournament. <laughs> he, but it was a smart thing for him to do because he got a big money fight with Jerry Cooney. Mm-hmm. And then he fought Mike Tyson. I mean, he got two big paychecks instead of one. Yeah, yeah. All right, let, let, let's talk about the uh, the greatest fights of all time. Did you want to break down from do it like we did. to six? Go ahead, start, because we do it like we did before. Go ahead. Okay, hang on. Uh, let me grab... Let me grab all the fights here. All right, so when we get to... Um, Wow, I didn't even link them the way that I thought that I linked them on uh, on the website. I've actually I saw on the website you had it in order ten nine eight seven six. I, I, I moved it though because uh, for the UFC. So no, but okay. I, have, I, have, I have now. Okay, so number ten was Bobby Chacon and Bazooka Limon. Their fourth fight. Their fourth and final fight, and this is ironic. This was. The single last 15-round fight ever scheduled for the WBC. The final one. After this, it was all 12-round fights since. Incredible fight. Bobby Chacon coming off. He was he was done. He was all but done. His wife had just killed herself. Shot herself in the head because she wanted him to stop boxing. She killed herself because he wouldn't stop boxing. And so it was a huge comeback story and this fight was a brutal war i mean this was this fight is similar to rock the rocky 2 fight chico kept getting knocked out over and over <laughs> and over again and in the 15th and final round he knocks down lamone with scant seconds left the bell rings and and you're thinking did they stop the fight because chico's jumping up and down no lamone got up right before the bell bell rang and um back then um Garrett, if the 15th and final round bell rang or the 12th and final round or the 10th and final round, it's not like today where the referee could keep counting. Mm-hmm. The bell automatically saved you. So the bell. So either way, Lamont was going to last the 15th round. Chacon wins the decision and has another incredible fight last year that barely missed my the, the following year that barely missed my list against Cornelius Boza Edwards. He beats Edwards in an incredible fight, and then his his life starts spiraling out of control. The next woman he marries, he beats her, mm. and um, he died a few years ago of dementia. Uh, and um, Lamone, no one knows, no one's heard of Lamone for years. I tried looking into uh, Lamone. I, I saw nothing about him, uh, other than his, uh, other than he lost. The majority of his of, of his last fifteen fights after mm-hmm. this fight, yeah. All right, and then we have number nine. We have Matthew Syed Muhammad against Yaki Lopez. Their second fight, the greatest light heavyweight fight in the history of boxing. Matthew Syed Muhammad. I don't know why. I don't know how a movie has not this man. Matthew Syed Muhammad was abandoned by his parents, was abandoned by his family, was abandoned by his aunt, who was supposed to be looking after him. And he was either three or four years old, and he was found on Franklin Street in Philadelphia by some nuns. 
They asked him what his name was. He he had, I think, out of trauma, he couldn't speak. He was mm. trying to say his name. He was going ma ma ma, but he couldn't. It couldn't. He couldn't. Comp- he couldn't finish his name. So they assumed he was saying Matt, and they named him Matt Franklin because they found him on Franklin Street, and they thought he was saying his name was Matt. Actually, years later, they found out his real name was Max Roach. Oh, wow. So he was trying to say Max, but he couldn't get the whole name out. Uh, so there he was, raised in an orphanage, became a world champion, and his fights in the late 70s to early 80s were some of the greatest fights in the history of boxing. He was a warrior. And the thing is, he had all the skill set in the world, Garrett. He had a great jab, great, but he wanted to war. This isn't Arturo Gatti, who was a club fighter fighting wars uh, two or three times a year on HBO. This was a highly skilled boxer who went toe-to-toe, and it's that Philadelphia boxing mentality. Same thing happened with Meldrick Taylor. And by the end, And he was living in the streets at one time until a homeless advocate found him and and helped him get his own apartment before he died a few years ago. The eighth round of this fight is one of the greatest rounds in the history of boxing. Lopez had Saad Muhammad out on his feet, and he threw over 40 unanswered punches. Today, they stopped this fight right away. But they knew about Saad Muhammad. The referee gave Saad the benefit of that other doubt. Saad came back and hurt Lopez late in that round. Wound up knocking him down four times and stopping him in the 14th round. Greatest 175-pound fight of all time. And then number eight, Eric Morales versus Marco Antonio Barrera, their first fight. Oh, this was the last great legendary fight that my father and I saw together. My father loved this fight. And, you know, uh, quick note, this is crazy. This wasn't a pay-per-view fight was in a regular HBO fight. This was a boxing after dark fight. You remember that series oh, yeah. where they used to, HBO used to show boxing after dark, where they show at 1130 midnight, right? This was a boxing after dark fight. It was free. And man, this was an incredible war between two of the greatest Mexican fighters of all time, two of the greatest 122 pound fighters of all time. And this was, this is definitely a fight that, uh, low, uh, that, uh, Vegas, Tone and I would have to look at in the future, along with the fight that you mentioned earlier, the, the Spinks, a home second fight, because I thought Barrera convincingly won the fight. Morales gets the decision, even though he got knocked down in the 12th and final round. I thought that was the clincher. Morales wins the fight. You know, I cut. But Barrera gets the second fight, even though I thought Morales won the second fight. It was like the, the, the referees fixed the mistake they made. The judges fixed the mistake they made the first time. And then their third fight, another great fight that barely missed this list, was a tremendous 12-round war, also won by Barrera. So Barrera beat Morales two out of three times. It's, it's funny, Garrett, how boxing goes. Bar- uh, Barrera beat Morales twice. Barrera got beat up twice by Pacquiao. And Morales actually beat Pacquiao once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, okay, and then number seven is a fight I very much remember. Uh, Rick Bowe and Evandy, Evander Holyfield, their first fight. And Holyfield is coming in as the champion against uh, the younger and bigger challenger. My father predicted this fight exactly the way it happened. 
He didn't think Bo was going to knock out Holyfield because he, he knew Holyfield had a heart of a lion. He was a warrior. But he thought he was too small to A, hurt Bo, which my father was wrong, and B, beat Bo, and he loved Bo's jab. This was the best of Riddick Bo. This was Riddick Bo at the time where we, everybody, thought he was going to be the next great heavyweight. Incredible fight. That 10th round is one of the greatest rounds in boxing history where Holyfield gets staggered and then he comes back and hurts Bo late in the round. And Bo was, was, was wobbling going back to his corner after the 10th. But Holyfield shot his low because in the 11th round, Bo knocks him down and Bo boxes safely in the 12th round to win a decision. That's the first time, Garrett, that I noticed that Riddick Bo was a tremendous fighter inside for a tall guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would be, I mean, if he would have stayed outside, he would have had a longer, greater career. But inside, he was tremendous. And he he put on the performance of a lifetime, and he never again matched that performance. All right, and then our number six fight, which is one that Dune and I covered uh, in uh, in our Fabulous Four podcast, Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns, the first fight. I have said this on numerous occasions, and I'm going to repeat myself. This fight was akin to watching these men in their prime, LeBron James and Michael Jordan in their prime, going against each other one-on-one. These were two of the greatest athletes in the history of boxing. I think the only athlete I ever saw greater than these two guys in their prime in the ring was Roy Jones Jr. These two had it all. I mean, punching power, boxing ability, youth. They had it all. And like we mentioned, like you mentioned many times on your podcast we're doing, and you mentioned a couple of times when we've we, we spoken about these fights. Thomas Hearns was one was the one puzzle that Sugar Ray Leonard had. Very, it was like the one. It's like that class you don't want to take. Oh shit! I got to take trigger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the first of this fight, he was able to come from behind and stop Hearns in the fourteenth round. There's a reason why he didn't give Hearns an immediate rematch. That oh, yeah. that man danger. This one. This this was one of the great skillfully fighting each other. Not a brawl, but trying to outwit each other with skills. Hearns outboxed Leonard and Leonard had to outslug Hearns. You know what's interesting about this fight is, you know, we always talk about how Leonard waited for Hagler to get a little bit old because then he he knew that he you know, that that he could take him. Leonard is probably I, I don't know if this was strategic, but he got Hearns maybe a year too early for Thomas. If he had gotten Thomas instead of in 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 eighty uh, one, maybe uh, uh, a year or two later, I think the 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 the, uh, the who, who you know I think Thomas would have beat him. You make a great point, Garrett. I never thought of that. Never thought of that because the following year he beat Wilfred Benitez. He outboxed the great boxer Wilfred Benitez. It probably would have been a fight similar to that. Or the year after that, when he put Roberto Duran asleep. Yeah, that's that that's, was that, that's the Thomas Hearns I was thinking about. Benitez and the Hearns that put Roberto Duran to sleep. I mean, he was out cold for several minutes. Was as great a fighter that ever lived. If he fights Thomas Hearns there, I agree with you. He lo- he doesn't get knocked out, 
but he gets badly beaten and outboxed and loses a decision. So he got hers at the right time, and he almost fought. You brought this up in your podcast, and I brought this up in articles on your website and the podcast we did before. They almost fought back in 1978, but Angelo Dundee was smart. He's like, nah, why well, fight for 100000 when yeah. we could fight for a million? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have the fifth fight on your list, which is a heartbreaking one for me, um, but that uh, the, it's a great one, and and so we'll get that on the website this week. Uh, just quickly, uh, super middleweights, the Carl Froch piece is up. Uh, we're gonna run those simultaneously with. Uh, with the greatest uh, fights of all time. So you'll see two pieces from Robert a week uh, for the next four weeks at least. And then, and then yeah, and then you, I know you're, you're writing some other stuff for us, but any quick thoughts on super middleweights? Yeah, Carl Froch is one of the most underrated fighters in boxing history. He ducked nobody. He fought everybody. And after Andre Ward convincingly beat him to win the World Boxing Super Series super middleweight title, Carl Froch interviewed right after the fight. Said, look, the, the better man won today. He beat me. How many times do you see that in boxing? He, he lost a decision. Usually it's like, oh, no, he ran. He held. Like Chavez, when he got the draw against Whitaker. I don't know if he, if he, if he had run, I would have knocked him out. Come on, man. <laughs> Canelo, after he lost to, 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 to Mayweather, huh? he moved too much. Motherfucker, you want me to stand right in front of you so you could? Your only shot is for me to be right in front of you. I hate that. But no, uh, Carl Froch. Class man, class man, loved him War, as gracious inside as he was outside the wing. Had a tremendous career, and um, you you the other four guys. It's funny, he's number five. The other four guys that you'll be publishing that I wrote about are four of the greatest fighters of all time. I mean, these four guys are in cup. These are all time great legendary fighters. Like I mentioned in the first article, the hundred, the one hundred and sixty-eight pound division has only been around for thirty-five years. Mm -hmm. It's one of the, it's it's one of the youngest divisions in boxing, but the top four fighters are four uh, that you can match those four against any four from another division, any top four from another division. So and um also, going back to the greatest fights in boxing history, now I want to announce that I got a contest. And this is how we're going to do this. I got a contest. I'm going to give away a DVD with the top three fighters of all uh, top three fights of all time, according to my list. For you to qualify and win this uh, DVD, and I'm gonna give a DVD to the first five people that answer this question correctly. This this can't be Googled. Remember, I, I told you, uh, Garrett, I got to think of something where you can't Google an answer. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't Google this answer unless you got a chip in my brain or unless yeah. you can hack Garrett's computer or my computer right now. If you can name the three greatest fights of all time, email it to me. Do not post it on my, do not post it on my timeline on Twitter because I will ignore it and block your ass. No, what I'm going to do is... <laughs> Uh, you could you could uh, DM me at Robert Silva, the way my name is spelled R O B E R T S I L V as in Victor A five seven six eight. That's my Twitter Twitter handle. DM me there, or you can email me same name Robert Silva S I L V A five seven at hotmail dot com. Email me who you think are the three greatest fights of all time, and the first five that give me those three, 
we'll get the D, we'll get well, I will mail you the DVD right away I'm, and the contest begins as soon as you hear this as soon as you uh post this on 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 the website then I will uh retweet it on the on on the on the Twitter and that's when the contest starts the contest ends at the end of next Friday Saturday because you'll be posting number 3 so yeah this is it's a, basically a two week contest okay cool so, um, all right. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on, and good luck with the new podcast. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I'll have to. Um, uh, it, it might be interesting to get your partner on too. You both on at the same time to talk a little, to talk about some stuff. Um, yeah. The, what, what what I love about these guys, you know, I brought this up on, 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 on with you before. The reason boxing is still alive in the United States is because the Latins, the blacks, the Hispanics keep. Keep the sport alive. If they weren't following the sport, the sport would be dead. Baseball can afford it because they got a lot of over 50 people yep. that, that follow the sport. But boxing cannot afford to lose that viewership, those that, that fandom. And these are two brothers that have been following the sport for years. And they know they're better than a casual fan. They know the sport. They know the sport. And I have a, a great time. And we definitely got to chop it up with you one, one night. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man. So, uh, so thanks again. And like I said, you'll see a lot of Robert's, uh, pieces, uh, on fight game media, and he's going to have a new series out there in the near future. Uh, we won't spoil that now, but, uh, yeah, you'll see a lot of Robert and hear a lot of Robert, check out his podcast, both of them subscribe. If you want to hear more Robert, I do get that a lot when, when, uh, cause you're not in our Facebook group, but Whenever, yeah. whenever you and I do something together, people are like, "Oh man, uh, I love it! I love it when Robert comes on. He's got so I, much, so I, much I, uh, charisma, and it makes me want to watch boxing, even though I'm not really a boxing fan." I want to start a petition, ladies and gentlemen out there that are enjoying Garrett's podcast. I want to start a petition for him to review the next Karate Kid and the Jackie Chan Karate Kid. <laughs> Yeah, LaRock La- La- is giving me a lot of crap about that one. <laughs> oh, and I know you love Hillary Swank. You know that movie must be god awful if you're not gonna. Oh, yeah. you're not, it, just, that movie just, was horrible. It's just too, yeah, it's too. It's it's outside of the uh, of the normal. You know, there's no Machio. There's no Daniel San. It's like Miss uh, Pat Morita was like. Wait, you guys are going to pay me how much to redo this character, even though this movie's going to suck? I'm in. It was a paycheck movie for uh, Mr. Hi- Hillary is lucky that movie didn't end her career. Right? <laughs> she is lucky that that movie didn't end her career. That's how bad that movie was. But yeah, and um, surprisingly, I don't know if you guys brought this up in your. Uh, you haven't started. Uh, no, we haven't, you haven't, we started, haven't started yet. The, the Karate Kid with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith and Taraji Henson blew away all those movies when it came to the box office. That's surprising. Global. I mean, Jackie Chan's a gigantic star. I know, I know, I know, know, I know. What I don't understand is how 10 years later they didn't make a sequel to this. It was a blockbuster. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. They can't do it now. That kid's too old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and, and he's got like... You know, he's doing he's doing his own. I mean, it would actually be good for his music because he's he's still doing. He's he's not a bad artist. He's he's actually pretty. He, 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 but he's he's too old to play that to play that character. And you guys, I know you got you guys going to talk about Cobra Kai because isn't Ralph Macchio and Cobra Kai? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. that's the goal is to get through yeah. the first three Rocky. I haven't watched. I haven't, wa- I, haven't I haven't watched that 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 show yet. Me I'm neither. hearing good things about. I'm hearing great things about it. It it, it shows up on Netflix sometime really soon. So the idea is to do the oh, first perfect. three films, 
than to do the first two seasons of Cobra Kai and then Netflix gets the exclusive on the third season of Cobra Kai. So it should tail it should fit pretty well with uh I still don't understand how Ralph Macho looks so effing young. He was twenty two years old. What the hell? I mean, even in um the outsiders, he's twenty one playing a fourteen year old. He looked fourteen. Yeah, he absolutely looked fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks again right. uh for hanging out here and then we will end the show. All right, we're back here to end the show. Chris, what did you think? Your first time on the Fight Game podcast? Are you coming back if I invite you back? Like, or, or, or are you just oh, for uh, sure. you're just done? If you'll with have this. me back. If you'll for have sure. me back, I'm for sure. Yes, yeah. and um, I'm glad you had Robert Silver on the show. I've always I really enjoyed his um, all the series of articles he's he's written for the website, and um, I always like to listen to him. I'm not the biggest boxing fan, but I always like to listen to him when he's on the show because I think he. Yeah, he's got that wrestling knowledge too. And, oh yeah, uh, he, he was a long time uh, Mid South NWA fan back in the yeah, day. Yeah, love hearing the, t- the all the tape trading stories. You know, those are that's a bygone <laughs> area. That, 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 exactly. Yeah, they, uh, um, all you kids will have to Google that. You might not know what tape trading is, but <laughs> or, or what uh, tapes all right. are. No, I, I know VCRs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah so we're done here um, and I want to thank Chris for hanging out with me giving John a little bit of a of a break here and uh, we're definitely going to bring Chris on I, I, there's other other guys on uh, on our website that I want to bring back I'm going to start doing something with Justin Nipper uh, as well so we're gonna get we're gonna get lots more folks involved as we do more shows so. Uh, so thanks to Chris again uh, for Chris and uh, for Robert Silva. I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Y'all come back now. You hear? All right. One more ad before we get out of here for real. And it is obviously our friends at Bet Online. So did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold. And our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Chris, what do you think about your Rockets? Oh, it was a tough loss um, last night. Tough loss, but we're still up two to one in the series. So I got high hopes, of course, and uh, maybe we'll get Russell Westbrook back. Um, he's looking pretty fly though, and all these. Like, <laughs> he has Iron Maiden um, sleeveless shirt on with any kind of little. little last game, it went a little more business casual. So I don't know if that was a if if somebody talked to him about that. I don't know, but but anyway, but yeah. Um, team's playing pretty good, but they got a lot of stiff competition. So we'll see, especially in the West. All right. So get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. The MLB season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures and props. My San Francisco Giants, six games in a row. Uh, they have won after a week where I think they lost like five games in a row. So they're, they're, they're playing a little bit better. Uh, so take advantage of the return to sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right. We- 